Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. The earth continues to be plagued by numerous and unique weather patterns and lots of disasters. This past summer, we have seen some unprecedented events. The enormous heat wave that we experienced early in the summer and then later in August, not just for us, but all around the country, has brought sweltering humidity and triple-digit numbers all over the world, not just the United States. Then, of course, we had the two major fires that broke out in Maui, which was the deadliest fire in the United States in over a century. And at the same time that was happening, wildfires were occurring in Washington state, all over the state, destroying tens of thousands of acres. We saw unique tornadoes springing up in the Northeast in New England, specifically Rhode Island, who doesn't usually have those kinds of events, and they did much destruction. At the same time, (laughs) Hurricane Hillary walloped California. I was amazed at the pictures where I saw Dodger Stadium engulfed by water. So it was like a moat around Dodger Stadium. And Palm Springs in California, where we've visited many times, they were so surrounded by water, you could not get in or out of the city of Palm Springs. That was devastating. Not the hurricane, because that hit Baja, California, but it was the storm that hit California afterwards, all the wind and all the rain. As a result, California issued its first ever tropical storm warning. Some guy on the TV said that he was calling his friends in Florida to figure out how to take care of his property because he'd never experienced a storm like this. The last one in LA was 84 years ago. So most people don't know how to take care of the matters that they have. Anyway, lots and lots of things have been happening all across the country and the world. Now, the powers that be are claiming this is climate change. It's the culprit for all of this. As a matter of fact, many people said that about Hawaii until scientists came out and said, we've been predicting this for years because of the way that they have not been taking care of their forests and their land in Maui. And that if any fire happened or anything, it was spread across the whole island. And that's exactly what happened. But anyway, most people are claiming climate change. Are these disasters climate change? Or are they a part of weather patterns that God's created? I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we're going to discuss this really hot topic from a biblical perspective. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. The media tells us the debate is over. Man-made climate change is settled science and will definitely end the planet soon without drastic global action. But others disagree, saying that climate change is neither settled nor science. It's just a devious way to frighten and manipulate the nations of the world into accepting one world government control. But without taking either side, anyone who doubts a future time of one world government and extreme global warming, or the way Earth's circumstances have been affected by the sinfulness of mankind, may want to take a look between the covers of God's Word, the Bible. I like the way you say settled science. It says climate change is settled science. Well, they say evolution is settled science also. 
both of those are not. There's no proof behind either one of them. And both of them take away the fact that God is the ultimate creator. God is the one who made the earth and made the climate and did everything he did at creation. But these scientific decisions negate God. Now I'm not against science. I am against it when they take God out of the picture. But let's look at the background of this global warming. Some people have been saying it's been going on for centuries. But in our modern times, it really started with the Industrial Revolution in the late 1800s, because that increased our population at that point, and we were burning fossil fuels more and more and cutting down forests, and all of that's attributed to global warming because of the greenhouse gases that we're all using, which naturally occur in the atmosphere. However, this greenhouse effect is destroying our atmosphere. So that's basically what they've been saying well, for the last hundred years or so. However, it wasn't until 1988 when scientist James Hansen delivered testimony, presented models to Congress, when he said that he was, quote, 99% sure, end quote, that global warming was upon us. <laughs> that's all it took. Now, ever since then, we've had global warming, not just in our United States, but all over the world. And what happened was they couldn't explain things like blizzards and other natural phenomena as global warming, so they changed it to climate change. And now climate change is a scientific fact. Everything is blamed on climate change without even looking at the facts behind it. Yes, I do remember Al Gore going around making speeches, and it seemed like he was followed by a blizzard or preceded by a blizzard in many cases. And so I think that might have had something to do with them needing to change it to climate change. <laughs> Let's look at the biblical understanding of where our climate comes from. We know in Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. That was day one. God is Elohim, our creator God. He made everything, and he made it all good, we're told in the book of Genesis. He controls it all, and that means all the weather, too. There is no mother nature. There's only a father, God, who is our creator, and he has dominion over everything. If we wonder, we can read Genesis 1, 6 through 8 that tells us on the second day he created the heavens, and on the third day he created the seas and the land. Fourth day he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and so forth, to the creation of the birds and the sea animals and the creatures on earth and mankind. God is the creator. And if God is the creator, then he's the one who sustains all life. And by the way, when I say if, I mean if and it is true. He is the creator and he sustains all life. Therefore, he's got sovereignty and power over all nature and over all mankind. Why are we surprised? Why are we calling this climate change? Now, granted, there are some scientific reasons why things are happening. But why don't we turn to the creator God and look to him to take care of us and protect us from these hurricanes and these floods, these natural disasters, these blizzards, the heat waves, everything we're going through, because he's the only one who can. When politicians propose all these different kinds of uh, carbon footprint solutions and maybe you can pay a carbon tax or whatever, that's not going to change the temperature of the earth. In fact, they said if we spent all the money and did everything that these climate change proponents are all about, 
we would see a very small fraction of any kind of a change, if at all. And so it really doesn't make sense to think that mankind can stand up against the creator of the universe and that we can make a big effect in what he has already created. We're told in Psalm 104, verses 1 to 6, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak stretching out the heavens like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariots. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. He covered it with the deep as with the garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. Those are just a few verses from this great psalm that show that God's standing above the mountains. Can he not change what happens below the mountains? He's sitting on the winds. Can he not change the rain and the snow and everything that comes out of the clouds and the winds? Of course he can. It is God that we should be turning to. And when we look in the Bible all the way back to the beginning, we see all kinds of disasters that happen in the Bible. So they were happening back then just like they're happening now because God created them. He allows them to happen, and he's sovereign over all. What strikes me is what you just read from Psalm 104 is kind of the answer to Job 38 and some of those verses where God asks, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measures since you know, or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? So there are questions like that that God knew that Job couldn't answer, that we can't answer. And it continues with, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season and guide the bear with their satellites? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens to fix their rule over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the abundance of water will cover you? And it goes on. So all these questions that God asks that he knows Job couldn't answer and we can't answer today. So it makes us stop and realize that he is sovereign over all things. And who is man that God might take notice of us? We're just a little lower than the angels. We're just a creation of his. And so it's important for us to stop and realize how big God is and how sovereign he is. As you read those questions from Job 38, it just humbled me significantly Mm -hmm. because we can't do this. I can't do this. We can't do this as a nation or as scientists or as a world. Who are we? We're nobody in God's eyes when it comes to the ability to control any of this. I wish all of our scientists would read these passages in here because it tells us a little bit later in Job 41, 11, everything under heaven belongs to me. That's what God says. So he is the creator. He's the one. It's not climate change. It's God in charge. So what happened? Why is our earth experiencing all of these things? Is this how God planned it from the beginning? And I would say the answer to that is no. Disasters which are negative, which bring about destruction and death, are a result of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God told them in Genesis three seventeen and 18, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles that shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Now that's talking about the ground, the earth. But the earth is where we live. 
So the ground is cursed. If the ground is cursed, then the skies are cursed and the winds are cursed. This whole earth is cursed because of sin. This was a consequence to man's sin. And it was Adam's consequence. God gave consequences to Eve and to Satan. But this was a consequence. So when we have these disasters that kill people, it's not God desiring that they die. It's a consequence to the wicked world in which we live. And then you simply look at Noah. At the time of Noah, according to Genesis 6, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Doesn't that sound like today? Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. When God destroyed all mankind because of their sin, he also destroyed the earth because it was wicked and destroyed because of mankind. So there's nothing new. That's what we've done doing the same thing. As I look back, I realize that God's patience endured from the time of Adam to the flood, which was, give or take, 1,500 to 2,000 years. Well, it's been a lot longer since then. I mean, we're looking at four to 5,000 years minimum since God destroyed the world by flood, and yet his patience, fortunately, has been with us so that he has not yet destroyed mankind or the earth because of our sin, even though we're deserving of it. And I think of Romans 8, 22, where it talks about the whole earth is groaning, waiting for deliverance because of the effect that sin has had on the earth. I had somebody mention to me one time, well, what do you think God thinks of all the blood that has been soaked into the earth? And what damage that does when we think of all the wars that have been fought and all the violence. And I thought about that and I thought, oh, my goodness. Yes, that corrupts the earth. It's waiting for deliverance. God promises to renew things. But right now we're, we're stuck with what sin has done to it. That's right. Now, we don't know from the Bible as to why these disasters happen, but we do have some examples of how God has used disasters. One for good. God used the plagues in Egypt, which were natural disasters, so that Egypt would let God's people go. We saw the parting of the Red Sea. That was a good thing, but so impossible for anyone to do. And then the parting of the Jordan later, when the Jews went into the promised land, nobody could do that. Only God could. We see a natural situation in nature with earthquakes. There was an earthquake at the time of Christ's death. There was an earthquake at the time for judgment against Korah when he and his people went against God. God allowed an earthquake to open up and all of the naysayers were destroyed along with their families and their possessions. So he has used events like that for good and for bad. In scripture, there was an earthquake that opened so that Paul was able to leave jail had he wanted to in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And then the ultimate proof of God's control over nature is stopping the sun for 24 hours so that Joshua could continue in battle and defeat the enemies. Who can stop the sun or the moon? Who has that power? Only God. Why wouldn't we turn to him when we have needs instead of scientists or climate control people. And then we look at what God used for judgment. He used the flood, as we've already talked about. We know that Sodom and Gomorrah 
were destroyed by fire and brimstone that came down from the heavens. We know from the book of Revelation all the natural disasters that are going to happen in the future during the tribulation period when God brings judgment on this earth. So God does use natural disasters for good, but also for judgment. So we have to ask ourselves, could all these, quote, climate changes be more about God's wrath and less about how man's behavior has impacted the earth? Well, we certainly do see that in the book of Revelation, don't we? as well as other places in the Bible. And so I'm just thinking about how the constancy of the sun and the moon and the stars and the cycles of nature and so forth that are so consistent that God in his grace bestows on all of us, that shows his sovereignty. And on the other hand, the fact that he can make those exceptions so that there are miraculous things that happen for good or for judgment, that also shows his sovereignty and certainly humbles us. Well, I go back to Psalm 104. I want to read a few passages here. Starting in verse 8, we're reminded that the mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over so that they will not return to cover the earth. Here we're talking about the flood and God's control of the flood waters so that they, first of all, God will never destroy the earth by flood again, which he promised. And secondly, he allowed the waters to rise all the way up to the top and over the mountains and then to recede. It finally says in verse 10, he sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. That's just talking about one aspect of our nature. It talking more about the waters, it says in verse 13, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. In other words, he's in charge of the rain. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his work. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine, which makes man's heart glad, so that he may make his face glisten with oil and food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. I mean, would we have any food at all if it wasn't for God in the water that he gives us, in the way that he allows nurturing of our ground and our soil, in the way that he provides trees and vegetation for us to eat? We would have nothing. And yet in this world, we still have plenty of all of that because God continues to provide for us. Finally, in verse 24, it reads, O Lord, how many are your works In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. That means that everything that we have, clouds and rain and ground and vegetation, it's God's possession. He's given it to us. He's provided for us. He uses the rain and the moisture and even the wind and all those things to keep our earth formed the way it is to provide for the needs that mankind has. It's our sin that has caused the disasters that came about as a result of the perfect environment that God gave us. The blessings that he gives reminds me of Genesis 8.22, the verse that says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So as long as we're in this world, he has that grace We know that someday there are going to be some upheavals and some judgment coming, um, which will cause some major disasters and major changes before this whole world, the heavens and the earth, are recreated in his glory. Well, so the question is, 
Have we created our own problems here on earth? Do we need to fix them? Well, the reality is, yes, we have created some of our own problems. I know that they have taken away our ability to have Freon in our freezers as well as our air conditioning because that causes problems in the atmosphere. But since we made those things, can't we make something else that will do the same thing but not be so deadly to our environment? We do have a responsibility as people to take care of this earth that God has given us. So we shouldn't be producing things that destroy our atmosphere. But I'm reminded of the hypocrisy of it when they talk about how we have to go to electric cars because of all the pollution that they cause. And then all the people that go to the World Economic Forum fly in their own private jets that use so much more fuel than our cars do. So the rich get richer and they can do what they want to do, but they are changing the way of life for the people who are trying to do the right thing, trying to dissolve our footprint here on earth when it comes to emissions. And yet the powers that be are doing what they want to do. So there's a hypocrisy there. If we're going to work together on this, we need to work together. It can't be a hierarchy telling the peons what to do and having a different form of accountability. We have a international coalition of people that one of which is the World Economic Forum, another one is the United Nations, who have promoted this climate change to the extent that they are trying to take away our rights and our options and our comforts in order to meet their criteria. But they're not following their own criteria. So again, there's a real hypocrisy there. Getting back to what I just said, though, we do have a personal responsibility to make sure we don't use things that will be destructive to our environment, that we find other options as best as we can. However, in all of this, we're missing the big picture. And the big picture is that we've made climate control or climate change a god in our world. We've taken God out of being the god, and we've put climate change as the number one emphasis, as the focus of all these nations around the world, rather than looking to God as to what he would have us do or the changes that he would have us make. Anytime we focus on one thing over God, we're making it a God, and that's what we have done. Instead of allowing God to be the creator of our environment and the one who takes care of it, because ultimately he's in control of the weather, he's in control of the climate and our resources. Do we not think that all of Maui could not be rebuilt and taken care of now that it's destroyed. But would God not allow that to be rebuilt? Of course he will, because that's his goal for us, is to be able to take care of the nature and the things that we have on earth. But mankind is stepping in and again calling it climate change, when in fact it was man's misuse of the environment that really caused it in the first place. Well, scientists, as I said earlier, are the ones who gave us the Big Bang Theory, and now they're taking God out of creation, too. They and the climate control enthusiasts have perpetrated the myth that man can control man's own environment and the disasters that happen. We can't control a hurricane or a blizzard, but they seem to think that we can if we just take matters into our own hands. Folks, we need to turn to God, the creator God, the one who made this environment 
And we need to seek him out for how we live and what we do with our environment to keep it as best and as pure as we can because it was holy to him. It was good to him when he created it. And we need to do what we can to make it good again. Even though we live in a sinful environment, we do not want the repercussions that happened at the time of the flood because of sin of mankind as well as the sinfulness of the way we've taken care of the environment. One of the things you mentioned about making a god out of climate change reminded me that there are people who actually do worship Mother Earth. They worship someone called Gaia, who represents Mother Earth. And we're talking about literal worship is something that's idolatry. It's against God. They're putting the creation above the creator. They're inventing someone that will take the place of God as far as who the earth is all about. And so I think we do need to realize that there is sort of a cult situation that does go along with climate change. And that happens. Once we take God out of the picture, then we insert all kinds of other myths in his place. And that myth can be the climate change or Gaia or anything else because we don't want to recognize God. There's a responsibility in our hearts, a spiritual yearning that we need to follow a greater being like God if, in fact, we believe in him. But if we take him out of the picture, we can do whatever we want to do. And that, by the way, is why we have gotten into the point we've gotten. The Industrial Revolution, which brought about all these green gases that we're using, that was because man wanted more and better. I'm reminded of the Tower of Babel, when the people built the tower to get closer to God, really to be more empowered and be more like God. And God brought confusion to them, as well as changing their language, because he says in Genesis eleven six, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. And that's kind of where we are now. We've been able to do an awful lot in our world. And it's even going to be more interesting as AIs are developed and are using the intelligence of man, which I believe will also end up building their own intelligence. And nothing's going to be impossible for man. But God is the one in charge. As we close, we need to remember what we read in Psalm 104. In these last verses, verses 30 to 35, it says, You send forth your spirit. They, meaning the world, are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditations be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. That's the end of that large psalm about God being our creator and how ultimately it's not Gaia, it's not climate change, it's our almighty sovereign God who created all that we have and who controls it. How many times have we prayed and ask God to keep a disaster away, and God has done it. Now, there's no 
proof that God did it and kept a disaster away. But we know that God answers prayer, and we know that he can stop a disaster from happening. So let's change things. Let's not only take care of our environment, as is our responsibility, but let's more importantly turn to our God creator. Trust him, pray to him, ask for his guidance, and follow him, not the specialists or the scientists who tell us what they believe but really have no proof of. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.